Hello and welcome to another week on the Vampire Diaries Diaries, your number one podcast for doppelgangers fucking with their doppelgangers, vampires fucking with their werewolves, and people fucking with their friends, all in the town of Mystic Falls, Virginia. My name is Claire, I'm joined by my co-host Beth, and we're here to discuss the fourth episode of season two, Memory Lane. We sure are, and I was so excited by the title of this episode because the 1864 flashbacks are my favorite episodes to date, and I was happy that we got quite a few of those in this episode. Yeah, and it felt like it had been a while since we went to 1864. Like, the present was taking up the majority of, you know, events. Yeah, for sure. I think it, I think that this is the first flashback we have in this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there weren't many in the end of season one either. Um, so we start off with a flashback, actually, back to what is seemingly the first Founders Ball um, mm-hmm. hosted at the Lockwood Mansion in guess what year? 1864. Yes, the only year that anything happened. Fuck 1863. Fuck 1865. <laughs> um, so we open on Catherine and Stefan doing that same dance. The dance of the near touch. Oh, is that what it's called? I think so. Oh, I was going to do it at my wedding, but we decided against it. Boo. Yeah, so Catherine and Stefan are doing that dance, and Stefan's trying to touch her, and she's like, Stefan, no. It's the thrill of not touching or something gross It's like against that. the rules. Against the rules. And he's like, I thought you didn't want any rules. Because that one time they tried to teach her football, she was like, I just want to throw this at your heads. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they're dancing... Like Ted dancing, and Damon is over in the corner being jolly, but then Catherine's like, oh, well, it looks like he found someone to distract him, and then it gets all trippy because Elena in her modern garb is standing with Damon. Yeah, she looked super out of place. Yeah. And they start, like, walking away, and Stefan's like, wait, what the fuck? Elena, Elena. And he follows them out the door of the mansion and directly into the Mystic Grill. Whoa, who would have thought? So um, Elena's in there saying like, oh, hey, it's your turn. And for a second, Stefan thinks that she's talking to him. But Damon was standing behind him and he like runs up to Elena and gives her a kiss and is like doing that gross TV thing where guys show girls how to play pool so they could like <laughs> try and rub their dicks on their butts so that happened but they're really happy and giggly and kissy with each other uh-huh. and and Stefan's like hold up what yeah so then luckily Catherine comes walking through the door in her 1864 garb which was great because I the loved her hairdo was, in this yeah it notes. was really good yeah. I liked her dress too I didn't like her gaudy necklace because it looked fake yeah it was like one of those Victorian necklaces that have like the silhouette picture on it. A but, cameo. Oh, is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So it was a cameo necklace, but it just looked cheap. Like she got it at the dollar store. Um, so yeah, that was out of place. And she says to Stefan something along the lines of, it hurt, does it hurts, doesn't it? Uh, referring to seeing Damon and Elena making out in front of his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's all, you know, in a dream state and still trying to get to Elena, but Catherine's like, no, I love you, we're together here. 
And I don't even honestly remember all of what she says. Yeah, I think she like, says, like, love me again. Yeah. And then they go, they're suddenly back at the Lockwoods at the party, and Catherine is, like, stroking his face, and they start kissing, and then Stefan wakes up. It was a nightmare, oh. and he's lying in bed with Elena in his arms. But obviously it's not Elena, because her fucking hair is curly. Yep. Like, come on. But he's like, oh, it was just a dream. And he's, like, stroking her hair. And she's like, are you okay, babe? And then he, like, realizes that it's not Elena. It's actually Catherine. So he pops up, and he zooms around, and... Um, Catherine says something like, I was able to get in your head. You almost didn't even realize it. Are your powers, like, even there anymore? Something along yeah, those she's lines. Like, it's too easy. Are you really not being a true vampire and, like, feeding on people? Mm-hmm. So, I was a little annoyed with the whole dream sequence thing. I don't like when shows do that because I'm easily tricked by them and think that yeah. something's happening. Although I should have been alerted when there was, like people from different time frames in the same same scene yeah this is something that happens every now and then on this show because like certain vampires have the ability to like control people's dreams uh have we seen that before i think damon did it to elena once okay to make her think of fucking him maybe oh gross i must have blocked that out I don't know if it's that all vampires can do it and only some do, or that only some have that as a special power. Okay, yeah. But Catherine can do it, and Damon can do it. And so she was trying to make him have a sexy dream about her to, like, convince him to love her again. And she... He asks her again in, like, waking time, like, what the fuck are you doing here? And she's like... I came back for you, Stefan. I already told you that. I love you, baby. Ugh, I know. Be mine. And pretty much I think that he, like, tries to shut her down for the first of, like, 800 times in this episode. Yeah, they have this conversation way too many times. Yeah. I'm here for you. No, we... I hate you. I never loved you. Exactly. Yeah. So... Things escalate. I forget exactly what is said, but Catherine has one of my favorite lines of the episode where she tells Stefan that she can rip him to threads and paint her nails at the same time. Oh, yeah. I would like to see that. I know. Me too. She probably could. She's a strong lady. She's very old, and as we've learned, the older the vampire, the stronger. So she really could fuck his shit up if she (laughs) wanted to. I know. And Stefan is all this time insisting that she doesn't love him and she has ulterior motives, but, like, why wouldn't she kill him if she didn't love him? I don't know. Yeah. It's well, a good question. We'll have to find out. But I think we then go to the actual non-dream mystic girl, where Elena's just kind of, like, sitting there by herself at a table. Yeah. She's, and- like, trying to... Pretending to read or something. <laughs> <laughs> and Damon just creep zooms into the seat directly next to her and she's startled because apparently she's not used to Salvatore's creeping into her personal space yet. I know, even though it happens like every three seconds. It's like, he has zoomed into her bedroom uninvited. Like, this is just sitting next to her. I know. But he makes some comment about like, oh, I was wondering what you get up to when you're not stabbing people in the back. Oh, yeah. Because she tricked him into like giving her the Petrova book last week. Oh, that's right. They didn't even talk about that. Um, 
And Elena gets back to Damon and she's just like, listen, I want nothing to do with you. And he's like, okay, see you later at Jenna's barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And he explains that he wants to keep on getting up in the Lockwoods business. So he told Alaric to tell Aunt Jenna to have a barbecue and invite Mason. Which is like such a weird thing. And also, why would Alaric do that? Because he's in love with Damon. I know, but it's so weird. And it wasn't even a barbecue. It was like a small It was like family together. night again. Yeah, it wasn't like, I don't get it. Yeah, but he's like, oh yeah, uh, so I orchestrated this whole thing. And I'm going to put some silver into Mason Lockwood and uh, prove he's a werewolf. Uh-huh. Those are his exact words, that he's going to put some silver into him. I'm like, in his butt? Oh, I, d- I must have missed that. I, was I thought it was see- a really weird way of saying it. Also, I wish that I had caught that because it would have made the later scenes make a lot more sense. Oh, yeah. Well, you live, you learn. And Elena makes some comment like, are you even invited? Like, Aunt Jenna hates you. I was like, does she? I know. Because I, I don't know if, like, maybe she really was vying for his affections in that one family night episode where he chose Julie Cooper, and maybe she hated him for that. But I don't know. And I guess it is probably because she saw him kissing Catherine, but it's, like, not a conversation they've had. And it's the second time that Elena has insisted that somebody hates Damon with no evidence. Yeah. she did it with Alaric last week. She did. I guess she's maybe she's just projecting like yeah. her hatred on others, but I'm pretty sure that Aunt Jen is not a huge Damon fan yeah. after what happened here. But yeah, I think that Elena's like it was kind of random that she didn't like him though, because she didn't have a problem with him before, and she thought he was hot. Yeah, it must have been that he was making out with Catherine, who she thought was Elena. Yeah, he's like, well, I I have this peach cobbler. She'll love me. <laughs> so bizarre. It was a pie. It wasn't even a cobbler anyway. What is even the difference? I should know this. I've been watching the Great British Baking Show. Oh, I think a cobbler doesn't have a bottom crust and a pie does. Oh. But I also just made that up. Like, that is my (laughs) opinion, so it could be wrong. (laughs) All right. Well, then we go over to the Lockwoods, and Mason is, like, getting ready to go over to the barbecue. (laughs) Tyler's like, hey, we kind of need to have a conversation about the fact that you turn into a wolf. I know, it was so funny. And this was probably my favorite part of the episode. What does Mason say? Mason's like, what do you want me to say, Tyler? I turn into a wolf once a month. No, it's not going to happen to you. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, come on, Tyler, what's the big deal? I turn into a wolf. Like, Tyler doesn't even know about the vampires. I know, he says it so nonchalantly. Like, it doesn't need any explanation. And, like, Tyler's being annoying to want to actually talk about it. And Tyler's just like, well, how do you know it's not going to happen to me? And this is the first we hear of an interesting piece of information. He says, you're never going to trigger the curse. Yep. So there's some kind of step that has to happen between like being a Lockwood and being a werewolf in order to make the switch. Yeah, I thought that that was really interesting because um, even though Tyler doesn't have the wolf changing capabilities he does have the gene and Mm -hmm. i think that that's why jonathan gilbert's device affected him and his dad yeah but good to know because i was waiting for tyler just to hulk out and turn into a werewolf (laughs) it's like he finally gets angry enough yeah um 
Then Mason's like, yeah, whatever, peace out, and he leaves. Yeah, I think he, like, mentions, like, by the way, have you found the moonstone? And Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, Ty- and this comes up a couple times in the episode, and Tyler's like, why do you want it again? And Mason says that it's, like, an important family heirloom, and it belonged to his mom, and yeah. that's why he wanted it. And he tries to play it off in the scene, like, you know, it's sentimental value, but you know what, forget I even asked. Like, yeah. trying to play it cool. But we know there must be something more up with that. There always is with those sneaky Lockwoods. And then the second Mason walks out the door, Tyler pulls it out of his hot of his pocket, out of his, his hot pocket, hot pocket. <laughs> <laughs> which sounds like he pulled it out of his butt. He yeah, not, he pulled it out of his pants pocket. And I was just like in this scene, it just seemed exactly like when Harry takes the sorcerer's stone out of his pocket in front of the mirror of Orison. It so did. Oh my god. So for now on, I want to call it the sorcerer's moonstone. Oh, I love it. Let's do it. Uh, so yeah, he. we remember he looked for it last time Mason was asking for it and found it under the floorboards and he's been carrying it around and withholding it because he wants info on werewolves. Of course. Although he's not doing a very good job at leveraging it because Mason doesn't know that he has it Mm -hmm. and he's just carrying it around with him at all times. And I feel like Tyler's the type of person who would lose something important (laughs) if he was just carrying around in his hot pocket all the time. Yeah. All the time. Like he's going to find Amy Bradley and take his pants off and forget that they're there and... Oh, Amy Bradley. She wasn't in this episode. No, she wasn't. But... She was on the new episode of The Good Place mm. this week. Did you I haven't watch watched it? it yet? It was really good. Oh, good. Um, so then I think we go back to the Salvatores, uh-huh. and Catherine is just reading Stefan's diary. Because we haven't really had reminders lately, but Stefan does keep a vampire diary. Oh, yes. This was a source of confusion for me if the vampire diary was Stefan's diary or if it was Elena's diary. It's everybody's diary, I guess. Mm hmm. I feel like the show, like, lost its frame. Yeah, you know? they kind of ditch the diary voiceovers pretty quick. Yeah. I think they they occasionally do come back, like, throughout later seasons, uh-huh. but not as frequently as they used to. It's kind of funny, but I guess you don't notice unless you're really thinking about it. Yeah. So, she's reading shit in the diary. He's still like, what the fuck are you doing here? And somehow the topic of werewolves comes up. Oh, because she read about it in his diary that they found out there was a werewolf in town. Oh, yeah, that's right. Why doesn't Stefan, like, really care that she's reading it? I don't know. I guess because it, like, proves that he's obsessed with Elena. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But he's just kind of, like, resigned himself to the fact that she's sitting there reading his diary. I mean, of all the things that Catherine could be doing, that's probably one of the least harmful. Yeah, that's true. I guess you gotta, like, pick your battles with that one. But he asks her what she knows about werewolves, and then she starts talking about the Founders Ball or whatever in 1864 again, because uh-huh. she's like, do you remember whose house that was at? The Lockwoods, a.k.a. the Werewolves Esquire. Whatever. Yes. <laughs> and here we meet the first Lockwood or something, but mm-hmm. he's also a douchebag and his name is George Lockwood. Yeah. So we kind of open on this scene with Damon giving a heartfelt speech about how George Lockwood protected the South. And then George <laughs> Lockwood does a sick burn against Damon and he's like, well, someone had to do it or something oh, along those lines. 
but he has the worst fake accent ever. <laughs> it's like half British, half Southern, and old timey, and it makes no sense because no one else has this accent. Well, he's a fancy Lockwood, so he has to sound snootier, I guess. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah, so I guess, like, I'm going to reveal that I don't know anything about history. <laughs> 1864. We already did that with what we were trying the to figure out. The Civil War wasn't over? <laughs> um, I think the Reconstruction period started in 1865, so I think that it might have just ended. Okay. Because I was like, because we know that Damon just deserted the Confederate Army with yes. no consequences. But apparently George Lockwood is back from the war now and hosting parties. Although we hear like, he's like the son of the family. Like there's a father who we don't see. Mm-hmm. So I think like his dad would be on the Founders Council. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. With Giuseppe Salvatore. Oh, Giuseppe. I don't really remember what else happens in this flashback. It's just like George is there and then Catherine says something to Stefan in present day like, yeah, up until this point, you know, I thought that werewolves were things that only existed in fairy tales and really bad movies. You burnt, Twilight! I know, that was funny. I thought that was self-aware and really good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, in this scene, she's, like, also talking to some dude named Henry, who they make seem like he's going to be important, oh, but right. then he doesn't pop up again. I'm like, was he one of the tomb vampires that we saw last season? Oh, do you think so? I mean, he was a vampire, like, who was around there, so he would have been a tomb vampire, whether that actor was involved previously Oh, yeah, so he definitely was one of the tomb, vi- tomb vampires. Um, and Catherine's pretty much telling Henry that she's not going to let anything happen to the vampires and that they're all one big happy family yeah. and that she'll protect them. And Henry's like, but shit's getting fucked up. People are being torn apart and it's not us. Oh, yeah, that's right. And she says that um, that George Lockwood is using vampires as an excuse to cover up his tracks. Right, right, right. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So then she switches back to her, like, trying to seduce stuff and shit. She's like, you love me. I know you did. And he's like, it was fake. You compelled me. Wah, wah, wah. And then she says something, and, and he's suddenly, like, up in her face and like, what is it about you that makes me still care? And it's, like, really abrupt, and suddenly, like, they're about to make out, and Beth was freaking out. I was like, are you fucking kidding me, Stefan? It's been, like, two hours. I mean, (laughs) I understand that she only left town for, like, two days, and then she came back, but have some self-control, man. Seriously. But then he fucking stabs her in the back with a vervain dart real quick, and it was really good. Yeah. And she, like, topples over onto the couch and is like, why? (laughs) Yeah, and then he just grabs her and chains her up in the basement. (laughs) And um, right before he does this, like, when she's trying to seduce him, she picks up her profile picture. Oh, yeah. And she's like, why did you keep this all these years? And she was just, like, waving it around. And I just loved it because it was her profile picture and it was hilarious. Oh, yeah, and she makes this comment, like, Oh, you think you came back here to, you know, meet Elena? No, you came back here to fall in love with me all over again. Because she looks like me. Yeah. And I'm like, that's kind of fair. Like, there's no good explanation as to why if Seven hated Catherine so much, he would have wanted to know Elena. Didn't he, like, want... I feel like they talked about this maybe in the first season. Like, Like, he he claims that he wanted to make sure it wasn't Catherine, but... 
then why did he stick around? Like, because he noticed that, like, she was a completely bland, like, person who wasn't evil, and then he had to know her. Yeah. Well, he had to know her. <laughs> what else do we need? <laughs> yeah. It's weird. I still find it really creepy, and I had forgotten about the creepy aspect until Catherine brought it up again, and I was happy she did. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, she's trapped in the dungeon now. Uh, her dungeon room is also where the Vervain grow houses, and he, like, plucks a thing of Vervain and, like, rubs it on her face, and it starts sizzling. Oh, I know. And he's like, why are you here? And she's like, because I love you. And he's trying to get her to admit she has ulterior motives. Yes. And this goes on throughout the episode over and over and mm-hmm. over again. Yeah. Um, but luckily, we're interspersed with some 1864 flashbacks, which kind of help Catherine explain that she does actually love Stefan. And also Aunt Jenna's hopping barbecue. Oh, yes. And Aunt Jenna's barbecue, which is only like three people. Yeah. And I think that's where we go next. You know what makes this super not a barbecue is nobody is outside for any of it. No. And they're having... <laughs> what are they even eating? The only thing we see them eat is pie. Cobbler. Yeah. Whatever it was. <laughs> Yeah, I know. There's, like, no food, only tequila shots. Yeah, I had probably my biggest laugh of the episode when Aunt Jenna was in the kitchen with Damon and being snarky, and suddenly Mason Lockwood pops in. He's like, I got the shot glasses! Oh, you would, Mason Lockwood. And Aunt Jenna's like, oh, I'm just like a teenager under the bleachers again. I know, I thought that was... I don't know. I want to see, like, a spinoff of Aunt Jenna's life, like, as a high school student. Except then we'd have to see a whole bunch of Logan Fell. We could retcon that and be like, she didn't meet him until college. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Although she does bring up Logan Fell later in this episode. I know, and then I threw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah. So... Alaric comes in and he's like, oh, hey, Mason, I'm so glad you could come. I really want to, like, get some dirt on Aunt Jenna from, like, when she was younger. And Aunt Jenna says, I have no secrets, only dirty shame. I know. They toast to dirty shame. (laughs) They do. And then while they're toasting, Damon waltzes in and mason is kind of like oh hey damon like it's really great to meet you i've heard such like so many good things about you and he tells mason well that's weird i'm a dick (laughs) it was so funny and true and they they were kind of making eyes at each other in this scene and i prefer to think that it's not because they had you know ulterior ulterior motives i want to see like a love triangle between mason damon and alaric i know alaric would be so jealous and he's also at a disadvantage because he's not a mystical creature as much as or as far as we know right now yeah but i mean he has had all this bonding time with damon mason's the new kid that's true so maybe his and damon's prior bromance will overrun Damon's love for Mason. I don't even know what I'm talking about. There's too many names. It's true. Too many white people to keep track of. Uh, I know. So while all the shots are being taken in the kitchen, Caroline arrives to the barbecue um, because Elena had invited her and they're just kind of catching up. And Caroline is eating this bag of chips pretty voraciously. And she's telling Elena how she's starving all the time and that eating is like one of the things that can quell your thirst for blood. So she always wants to eat. 
And then she just kind of drops this like huge truth bomb on <laughs> Elena. She's like, yeah, it's really hard for Stefan because he wants to rip out your jugular every time you two are together. <laughs> yeah, she's like, trust me, that feeling is there. That's why I broke up with Matt. Yeah. And like, we don't have any Karen. Matt in this episode. Yeah, there's no Matt or Bonnie. Even though they were at the Mystic Grill. Maybe Matt quit his job there. Perhaps. It was too painful to see Caroline there all the time. Probably. Yeah, so Elena's just like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I know. She couldn't handle that truth bomb. She like was taken aback and seemed a little bit offended. Yeah. And I think then we go back to the Salvatores. And Catherine is now trying really hard to convince Stefan that his love for her was real. So she takes him to another flashback to the party and like the end of the night when Stefan walked her to her room. Ooh. And they remind him again that she was living with the Salvatores indefinitely. And I just cannot wrap my head around like why that would happen. Especially since Giuseppe Salvatore was such a dick and there's like no women in the house. Like Oh yeah, did they not have a mom? Did they ever address this? I don't think they have talked about it, mm-hmm. but at this point, their mom has died. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just so bizarre. Like, did she compel him? Was he not on Vervain to be like, I know this is weird, but you're just going to invite me, a stranger, to live in your house with your sons who are my age? Yeah, it seems like a bad idea just waiting to happen, even if Giuseppe did it out of the kindness of his heart, which I doubt. He, it's a weird decision. Yeah. He doesn't seem the type. Like, there was a whole story about how she was an orphan, but, like, she looks old enough to take care Yeah, she's, like, definitely 17, and that's the, like, the point at which people got married back then. So it would be, maybe Giuseppe wanted to, like, set her up with one of his sons. Maybe. I don't know. Well, he set her up with both. (laughs) Yeah, he did really well. (laughs) 200%. (laughs) So, anyway, Stefan walks... Catherine up the stairs and then he like goes on this whole romantic speech and like really flowery language like oh, I wrote it down because it was so ridiculous the whole He's thing like, yeah oh, well not the whole me. thing okay <clears throat> when I look at you I see an angel when I touch your skin my entire body ignites and when I kiss you I feel myself falling in love <laughs> that is some next level shit right there and Catherine falls for that stupid bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I know that the, like, being eloquent and being able to give a good speech was more important back in the day, but <laughs> still, this was, like, something ripped off, like, straight out of the lamest love book. But it was 1864. Those things were probably not cliches yet. Or, I mean, maybe they were. When I look at you, I see an angel. I feel like that's been cliche since, like, the Stone Age. It's also kind of ambiguous, because it's like, when I look at you... Like, are you an angel? Or is there also just, like, an angel <laughs> just, like, like next to you? Happening to be flying by in the background. Every time I look at you, this fucking angel pops up. I don't know what the deal is. And entire body ignites could not potentially be a good thing. That's what you have day rings for. Yes. Day rings. But she, like, looks really surprised. Like, you know, she's been playing with both of the brothers at this point, but... She finds herself strangely moved by this terrible speech. Yeah. And they kiss, and he says he's in love with her, and she's like, I gotta go. (laughs) 
She totally does. She's like, uh, okay, bye. And he's like, have I upset you, Catherine? Prithee, let me abase myself before thee. And she's like, no, no, not offended, just surprised. Yeah. And then she runs upstairs and opens her bedroom door. And Damon just kind of like pushes her up against the door and starts making out with her. And she's just not having it. Apparently they had plans to fuck after the ball. (laughs) And so he was waiting in the room and she's like, I'm tired. uh, So we'll have to rain check. And he's like, oh, did my dorky brother's dorky confession, like, make you feel things? LOL. Yeah. And she's like, I said I'm tired. And then she compels him to leave her alone. I'm like, I wish I had that power. I know. That would be really nice. There's one point in here where he's like, Catherine, is my love not enough? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And clearly not. Yeah. And then Catherine does this weird thing that everybody does in, like, romantic movies and TV shows where she, like, touches her lips after somebody kisses her. And, okay, am I weird? But I've literally never done that. No, I have not either. I try not to touch my lips with my hands because they're normally covered in a million germs. Mm. I don't get it. Yeah. I guess it's like, oh, his lips were just here. That's so sexy. But I don't think it's a thing people do in real life. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for confirming. Uh, Write in to us if you habitually touch your lips after kissing your crush. Even if it was really special. Yeah. I don't know. So after this flashback, Catherine pretty much just reminds um, Stefan that she never compelled his love. Yeah, she says that... For the eighth time. She never compelled him until after he found out she was a vampire. And she says it was because he was so scared of her. I'm like, (laughs) I really want to see that. Like, oh, poor Stephen, so scared. Oh my god, I know. And he kind of looks like he's realizing that's true, but he's like, well, whatever I felt in 1864, I hate you now. It's all turned to hate. And she makes that comment again about like, ooh, love and hate. Such a fine line. Like, is that... Yeah, I was thinking about this trope. I mean, maybe, like, trope. hate and, like, wanting to fuck somebody. Yeah. I could see a little bit more, but love and hate? I don't think so. I, like... I've never experienced that. I, have, I haven't either. And this is such a theme that, like, pops up in so many things. Like, it, when she said this, I was thinking of the Scarlet Letter, because that's, like, <laughs> one of the main themes in that fucking book and I'm just like I don't think this is a real thing and I feel like it's dangerous to keep perpetuating the same idea that it is because love and hate should be totally different things yeah ideally yeah but such is the patriarchy what can we say sure it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like oh you claim you hate me but you really love me and luckily in this case it's a woman saying it to a man instead of a man just trying to paint the world in a light in which every woman wants his dick yeah. But, I mean, Catherine does want to paint the world in the way that everybody wants her dick, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> consistent with her character. Uh, so, yeah, they're at a kind of weird moment here where Stefan is, you know, rethinking some things, maybe. But then we go to the barbecue where everybody's playing Pictionary. Hooray! Best like, game. at all the best adult barbecues. Actually, I say that, but I would love to play Pictionary. I know, me too. I, I was <laughs> just thinking that I haven't played it in a really long time, and I'm also really bad at it because I can't draw. Oh, yeah. What was that game that we used to all play? Like, draw something? 
Does anybody oh, still play that? I forgot about that game. Oh, I feel like we played it for a little bit. Whose game was it? No, it was like an app. Oh, yeah. I remember Asia was really good at it, and yeah. I was horrible, so I only played for like three days. <laughs> anyway, it was around the time that everybody was playing Words with Friends. My dad still plays Words with Friends, and he's Aww, like... That's cute. He was like, all of you made me join Words with Friends, and now I have no one left to play with. I was like, oh no, I'm that's sorry, so Dad. You don't understand fads. <laughs> no. Oh. Dads and fads. Uh, so... I think Aunt Jenna is drawing, and it looks like a dog wearing a hula skirt. <laughs> it does. Which I think is what Caroline's guess is. Everybody's saying, like, dog, dance. And Caroline's like, dog, dancing in a hula skirt. <laughs> but Mason gets the correct answer. It dances with wolves. Wow. I wonder who put that one in there. Right? I know. This is the first of many dog puns in the upcoming scenes, which yeah. I really enjoyed. Yeah, so Damon goes into the kitchen, and Aunt Jenna's there, and she's kind of being snarky with him, and he's like, oh, why don't you like me? And Aunt Jenna says, I'm, I've, or Elena hasn't dated you, but I've dated many yous. Yes, I liked that. And Elena is here in that scene, too, which I thought was weird. Like, she's just standing there in the kitchen. Oh, I guess I didn't notice that. Yeah, Aunt Jenna's just, like, laying it all out today, like, about her sordid past under the bleachers and about how she's dated many Damons. Yeah. And he, like, notices there's this silver set sitting open and Antonio's like oh yeah it was my mother's silver or something yeah I took out this great silver for, for my barbecue. barbecue where there's four people here and Pictionary and, yeah it's don't call it a barbecue yeah and he like pulls out this giant ass like silver <laughs> chef's knife he's like hmm I know and call me crazy but normally like cutlery like a silver set would not include, like, Ex- cooking knives. Exactly. And that's what this was. And there were more in there, too. Yeah. So that was weird and a little too convenient for Damon's plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he says it, and then Aunt Jenna just happens to have her mom's silver set out. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he told Alaric to tell her to bring out the good shit. <laughs> and Alaric was like, okay. I would really like my new girlfriend uh, if you would have a barbecue, invite these specific people, and also break out the silver. Oh, oh my okay, Alaric. Like, if anyone ever told me that, I would be like, um, excuse me, how about you have a barbecue and bring out your sil- silver? Yeah, why couldn't Alaric have the barbecue at his place? Have we ever seen his place? No, he lives at the school. <laughs> well, I guess he's the only one who works there, so he has the run of the place. Exactly. It's where he keeps all of his tools. <laughs> Well, he carries his weapons on at all times. <laughs> True. So, yeah, we established that Damon now has a big old knife and that he's already starting to sort of poke at Mason with dog jokes. Yes. And so, then we go back to another flashback to 1864. Yeah. Was it just me or were... I don't know. I thought the frame of all the flashbacks was kind of annoying because they just kept fucking repeating themselves over and over and yeah, over again. Yeah, it seems like it was always that same night and they could have kind of done it all with like two flashbacks instead of doing it like five times. Exactly. But maybe it's just because it's so concentrated on the Lockwoods and that's like, no, really the Lockwoods. 
Yeah, and this is something new. Like, we've seen a lot of these scenes before, but because the Lockwoods are in it, it's, like, framed differently. Yeah. So in this one, uh, Catherine is, like, standing alone at the party, and George Lockwood comes up like, oh, my gosh, you're by yourself. Can I finally, like, talk to you or dance with you or whatever? And he makes some comment about her being, like, the rope in a tug of war between the Salvatore brothers. Oh, yeah. And then she's like, listen, I know you know I'm a vampire, and I know which you are too, bitch. And he's like, what? I think this conversation is over. <laughs> that was exactly his accent. Nice work. Um, is it this point where they work together to strike a deal? Yeah, they're okay. they're going to like make a bargain. And Stefan's like, what did you want from him? And it comes out that Catherine orchestrated the entire like rounding up of the vampires and burning them in the church plan. Oh, and Stefan's like, you've sold out all of your friends, which, remember, included Pearl and Anna. Yeah. Like, who she, she was... just referred to as her family. Yeah. So she was just going to let them all die so basically she could fake her own death and George Lockwood was going to like help her out of the church while it was burning. What a bitch. And I'm like, geez, Catherine, that's stone cold. I know. I don't normally say that word, but I feel like this warrants it. Yeah. So that wasn't very nice of her. And basically this whole portion of the story wraps up with her kind of letting Stefan know that he he and Damon fucked up her plan because they intercepted the carriage taking her to the church uh, and took her out, but she really wanted to be in there. So that she could sneak away. Yeah. And he's like, so we died for nothing? And she's like, no, you died for love. <laughs> well, that's so much better. I know. So yeah, it's kind of egg on their face. Like yeah. they could have just had their happy human lives and been fine. I know. And then the show never would have happened. Well, that would have been a tragedy. Yeah. So, so he's pretty mad and pretty judgmental of her, you know, friendship abilities. <laughs> Understandably. Of course. Yeah. Seriously. So after we have this last flashback, we go over to the Hop and Barbecue. And Alaric is walking into a room and he's like, so Mason, you and Jenna never dated, which I just feel like is such an awkward thing. It's like, just because two people have known each other for a long time and they're, it doesn't mean that they dated. Yeah. I mean, the way that Aunt Jenna talks about her youth, it kind of seems like they probably slept together at some point. Oh, yeah, that's true. Maybe that's what prompted it. I think what seems so weird about this is that he's saying something that in any other context would seem like a jealous boyfriend trying to intimidate somebody, but he's being like really honestly friendly about it, but also like is trying to apply information. Yeah. So it was just like a weird tone. It it was. It was awkward, for sure. And then Damon says something like, oh, yeah, Mason, I would have pegged you as a lone wolf. And this is, again, one of the many dog puns from this episode. And this is also the point where Aunt Jenna brings up Logan Fell. She's like, oh, no, I was in Logan Fell land. Ugh, sorry, girl. We've all been there one way or another. Yeah. And she comments that all the ladies were after Mason, which is when Damon says the lone wolf thing. And then Mason oh, yeah. says something like, I, oh, I'm sure I didn't have as many ladies after me as you, Damon. I'm like, stop hitting on him in front of his boyfriend. I know. It was inappropriate. 
So they're like having their weird thing, uh, strange conversations. And Elena and Caroline are off in another room together. And <laughs> Elena says something like, would I be a terrible friend if I just left you here? Yeah. And like she knows that Elena is going through some serious Caroline. shit. Or Caroline. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But she's worried because she's been trying to call Stefan all day because he was supposed to be at the barbecue and he hasn't been answering. Because, you know, he wasn't expecting Caroline to end up in his bed this morning. Catherine. (laughs) Oh, my God. I have a hard time with Catherine and Caroline because they both start with the same sound and they're both three syllables. I have a hard time with literally every character's name and every other character's name. I'm going to blame you. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) It would have been interesting if Caroline ended up in Stefan's bed this morning. That would have been a big twist. And I wouldn't have been surprised after, like, how close they got last episode. (laughs) Whoa. I know. So Caroline is pretty much like, listen, Elena, you need to cool it. Just because Stefan didn't answer his phone for a couple hours. Listen, believe me, there is nothing worse than a clingy girlfriend. I would know. (laughs) And then also made me think of... Matt last episode saying that Caroline had been dodging his calls all day. So really, he was the clingy girlfriend in that scenario. Exactly. I know. But she's trying to convince Elena to just leave it alone and she keeps on making all these comments like that she and Stefan aren't going to work out anyway. But Elena's insistent. She really wants to go. So Caroline's like, oh, well, I'll drive you. Yeah, so she's like, I'll drive you over to Stefan's. So they both walk out to the front, and Caroline goes around to the driver's side of her car and unplugs the air whatever thing. Yeah, like she drops her keys accidentally. I'm doing air quotes. And while she's bending down to pick them up, she, like, pops the thing on the tire so the air will leak out. Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, so we don't uh, see the result of that right away because... We see Damon continuing his fun plan. Like, they've all finally sat down to eat at this barbecue. Apparently, we missed the part there where they were eating the actual barbecue stuff because he brings up the cobbler, <laughs> and it has the silver serving knife stuck in it. And he's like, Mason, why don't you start us off? And, like, points the knife directly at him. Uh-huh. And then Mason just grabs a separate piece of... He, like, turns the pie around <laughs> so a different part of it is facing him. It just, like, grabs a piece out with his hand. He's like, sorry, I'm an animal. Oh, fun. And they mentioned that they were playing Guitar Hero at some point, and that game was fucking awesome, and I wish we all still played it. Yeah, there was, like, a period of time where Guitar Hero and Rock Band were, like, all anybody wanted to do, and then suddenly just nobody wanted to play it anymore. I know, I think we all got sick of it, but I want to play again, I really I was always do. very bad at it. I had, I don't know, like, I can actually play the real guitar, sort of, Uh-huh. but I cannot play Guitar Hero guitar. <laughs> That's how Mike was with the drums. He used to, like, always get so mad because he couldn't drum with the... Yeah. Well, it's hard because it's, like, thinking about playing the instrument in a different way because you're only... You only have, like, four buttons. Mm -hmm. And it's not actually matching what you're hearing, I guess. So... Yeah, because you're doing it at the time they tell you and it's not necessarily, like, on beat. Yeah. I liked in rock band, I liked singing in rock band and trying to like be on key. Yeah, I could never do the singing. I could play the guitar, I could do the drums sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, they do not end up playing Guitar Hero for whatever reason, but Mason like can see obviously that Damon is trying to get his goat or whatever. 
Uh-huh. So he like corners him in the kitchen. He's like, listen, enough. Like, I get it. You know about me. And Damon's like, oh, I guess you know about me too, huh? Like, what's that all about? And I forget what his explanation is for why he knows about Damon. Um, yeah, I don't know why he knows about Damon, but I know that Damon knows that Mason attacked Stefan. Yeah. And Mason's like, honestly, that was just, you know, an accident. I wasn't able to chain myself up in the slave basement in time. Like, I had a little whoopsie, and I really didn't mean to. There's no need for us to ignite this stupid feud that has nothing to do with us between vampires and werewolves. Like, can we just be cool? And I'm like, yeah, that seems like a good idea. I know. I'm starting to really like Mason Lockwood. So they shake hands, but then Damon takes, like, a silver dagger out of the (laughs) silver set. Oh, my God, I know. Where are these things coming from? I don't know. So, obviously, he was being fake with his handshake. Exactly. So, we know something is going to go down pretty soon. Um, But then we pop over to Elena and Caroline, who are driving over to Stefan's. And this was just so fucking weird. So, (laughs) Elena and Caroline are having the discussion again about how uh, there's no way that Stefan and Elena are going to last... Um, Elena's going to be 70 and in diapers and Stefan's still going to be smoking hot and she'll never be able to have his babies. And Caroline is just laying it on super, super thick. But everything she's saying is true. It is. Like, unless the, like, end, you know, plan is for Elena to become a vampire too. Like, and this is the crux of, like, so many vampire human romance stories. It's like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck's going to happen when one of you gets super old and the other one doesn't want to fuck you anymore. Yeah. And then you die. Whoa. That's pretty much what Caroline just said. <laughs> yeah. And Elena's just like, why are you saying all this stupid stuff? I'm going to turn up the radio. Gee, I really like this song. <laughs> and then Caroline like presses a little voice button on the steering wheel and she's like, what song is this? And then the radio says, We Radiate by Gold Frap. I'm like, how much did this weird unknown band pay to get... You haven't heard of Gold Frap? No. Should I have? They're like fairly, you know, oh. well-known. Did they not pay for this they product must have. placement? I'm like, is this, <laughs> is this product placement for Gold Frap? Or is it product placement for this car that can tell you what's on the radio? It was probably both. And I don't even know that song. Then I don't know what kind of car they were driving. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe it was like serious satellite radio or something. It must have but been. But it looked like really old fashioned to me. <laughs> it did. It was so bizarre. It was just, it was the most awkward and confusing product placement <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. But good job, Gold Frap. I'll always remember you. <laughs> you know what? The other thing I really remember for Gold Frap is, is do you remember the movie Hard Candy with oh, Ellen Page? I've heard about it, but I never watched it. So, basically, in that movie, Ellen Page is, like, a honey trap. She is, like, a teenage girl who flirts with a grown man online, and then he, like, invites her over to his house, and she comes, but she's really there to, like, cut off his dick. But <laughs> one of the things that they talked about in their online flirtations was their shared love of gold frap. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, gold frap is really doing a good job of putting themselves in, like these random things but it's also like really weird associations with their music like yeah. perverts listen to us we drown out awkward conversations about vampire human relationships i know that's so weird i feel like i need to look them up and see if i know any of their songs yeah. 10 years later 
So, yeah, I will always associate Goldfrapp with the Vampire Diaries and male castration. And this weird car that we don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Siri, what song is playing? Was Siri not a thing by then? No, I don't think so. Siri's still not that much of a thing now. Nobody yeah. uses it. I had, a, like, the Google brand phone as my first smartphone, and they had their, like, equivalent of Siri, except oh. you had to say, okay, Google. I think that's still a thing. It was so stupid, and I felt like an idiot the few times that I did it. But Yeah. Anyway, they were listening to Goldfrap, and then, like, the tire finally goes out, and they have to pull over to the side of the road. And we kind of... Go away from that, I think, mm-hmm. and go to the barbecue, which is wrapping up. <laughs> yeah, so Mason Lockwood wants to go have a nightcap over at the grill, yeah. as one does. And I felt like this was, you know, very identifiable. Like, we would have been the Mason Lockwood in this situation. Like, who wants to go to the bobbin for one last drink? I know, yeah, definitely. I was proud that he went to the grill. I want to mm-hmm. go to the grill. Me too. Let's open a Mystic Grill in Chicago. Yes, it'll be so good. That's how we'll make our millions. Because restaurateurs make millions, right? I don't know. They don't just crash and burn and deplete their life savings. I think maybe sometimes. (laughs) Only if they're Guy Fieri. Welcome to Flavortown. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, yeah, let's all go. But everybody's like, oh, no, we have to be responsible adults. Probably Aunt Jenna and Alaric want to fuck. Yeah, which I understand. Fair enough. They had this really sexy barbecue. They must be dying for it. Exactly. I know. So Mason leaves, and then Damon is just like, I'm going to head out to you, but I'm not going to go to the grill. Oh, and as Mason was leaving, he was like, oh, Alaric, yeah, we got to catch that game later, because they're like friends now. But then Damon makes a quip when he leaves, and I didn't understand what he said at first, but you explained it to me. Oh, yeah. He was like, I won't see you for the game next week. It was weird. It was probably like, I'll see you in my bed when you're done with Aunt Jenna. Yeah. So he is basically tailing after Mason because he wants to basically test out his thing about Silver. It's like nobody even told him like Silver could kill a werewolf. He just decided it was true because he like saw it in a movie or something. Yeah, because he I watched like, True Blood. And... I was like wondering if it might have been in like the documents that Vanessa gave them. It's like a common werewolf like thing in oh, pop okay. culture, I think. Uh huh. So I guess he was just like, I read in this stupid novel that Silver can kill a werewolf, but he follows Mason, who gets out of his car at the Mystic Grill. He's like, Damon, are you here to make more dog puns? <laughs> and then Damon just fucking stabs him with the dagger and is and just walks towards uh, Mason's truck to, like, get equipment to, like, hide his body, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. And so, like, Mason falls down for, like, half a second and then he just stands back up and he's like... He pulls out the dagger and is fine. Yeah. And, like, there's no blood. Like, he seems very healed right away, so I guess werewolves have healing powers, too. Yeah, I guess so. And he's like, I don't know why everybody believes this silver myth, but it's not true. Oh, I think he says that werewolves invented the myth themselves just for situations like this. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and Damon's like, oh, fuck. So Mason's basically like, well, guess what, bitch? Now we are enemies. And I was really looking forward to the nightcap at the Mystic Grill, and you ruined it for me. Yeah. 
I mean, that would make you my enemy if you tried to stab me when I was attempting to get drunk. Yeah, if I'm trying to get my drink on, you don't just pull out a knife and stab me in the gut. And this whole thing is just so frustrating because I don't know why Damon's so obsessed with the whole Lockwood thing. But there's no reason why they, like, should have had any beef with each other, like, at any point. But Damon just, like, is really extra about it. Yeah, especially because Mason was straight up like, this isn't our feud. Like, we don't need to worry about this. They could have been friends. They could have been lovers. I know. I really like Mason Lockwood. He seems like a stand-up dude. He does. But now they're enemies. And speaking of enemies, uh, Catherine and Stefan are still having their thing. And basically having the same conversation yet again. Yeah, so Stefan's like, I'll ask you one more time. Why did you come back? And Catherine's all like, listen, I told you five times. I want what I want. And if I don't get it, I will snap Elena's neck like a twig. And then I will kill all of the people that she knows while she's watching. And then I will kill her while you're watching. I was like, damn, Catherine, you just took it to the next level. Like she just like took off right there. And Stefan loses his shit. He, like, snaps the leg off the chair he was sitting in, which, where are you going to sit now, girl? (laughs) And, like, zooms so he's, like, hovering over her as though he's going to stab her, but he can't do it or decides not to do it for whatever reason. And and Catherine just, like, bursts out of the chair. (laughs) Yeah, she, like, breaks all the chains that he had chained her up as or with. And she's just like, listen, Stefan, I've been sipping on vervain for the past 145 years. It doesn't affect me. But I call bullshit because when he put that flower on her face, it sizzled. It did. But maybe that was like direct. Or actually, I don't know. I mean, I guess like having it in her blood doesn't affect her, but like it could still burn her skin. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't make much sense to me now that you say it. I was just like, all right, Wesley, you've uh, made your immunity to Iocane powder. Good job. Sorry, that went right over my head. The Princess Bride. Oh, I haven't watched that movie in such a long time. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Ugh, jeez, Beth. So embarrassing. First, I didn't know who Goldfrapp was, and then I missed the Princess Bride (laughs) reference. Today's not my day. Yeah. So she's making threats. She's saying basically he has to dump Elena or else she's going to murder everybody. Yep. And then she zooms upstairs because she hears, or no, Elena comes in and is like, Stefan, Stefan. Because she and Caroline had this big fight by the side of the road when they were waiting for the tow truck. Uh Uh-huh. And... Caroline was still making all these comments about, like, why are you trying to rush to somebody it's never going to work out with anyway? Yeah. And he's like, I know you're sad about Matt, but, like, chill out. I know. And they argue, and then the tow truck comes, and Caroline, like, tries to restrain Elena from leaving, but she breaks away. Also, I would be pissed, like, aside from all of Caroline's shade, if my friend, like, left me in the dark on the side of a road with some dude tow truck guy that I didn't know, like, that was also fucked up. Yeah. Good job, Elena. You're a great friend. Yeah. And in this scene, Caroline refers to Elena as her best friend, which I thought was weird. Yeah. Because Bonnie's her best friend. Except Bonnie's being shady right now. Well, I guess now Elena's her best and only friend. Yeah. Actually, I would say, like, Stefan is her best friend now. (laughs) After the one, like, episode they had where they were nice to each other. I know. It's true, but it's sad. Poor Caroline. 
So Elena storms off and decides to walk the rest of the way to Stephens, and she comes face to face with Catherine for the first time in the foyer. Yes, I w- I didn't realize that this was the first time that they had actually seen each other because Caroline uh, Catherine's been around for a bit, but. Yeah, so Elena's, like, looking at her straight in the face, and she's kind of, like, tripping a little bit, and she's like, how do we look exactly alike? And Catherine's like, you're asking the wrong questions. Ooh. And it's just, like, Lindsay Lohan coming face-to-face with Lindsay Lohan and the parent trap, like, after their fencing match. (laughs) Yeah. Chills, man. I know. It's a very important moment. And when... Catherine went up to see Elena. She first, like, stabbed Stefan in the leg with some wood. So it takes him a minute to zoom up, but when he does, Catherine zooms away. And Stefan and Elena, like, ask if the other one is okay, and they're both like, no, and then they hug. Yeah, they're like, today has been rough. Uh, (laughs) I mean, Elena had to sit through that weird barbecue. It has been a rough day. I know, it has. She had to listen to all of the flirting between Alaric and Mason and Damon. I mean, yeah, that is awkward. So now that Stefan and Elena have established that they're not doing so good, we hop over to the grill where Caroline is in the bathroom, washing her hands. Mm -hmm. She got over there pretty fast, considering that she had to have her car towed and stuff, but whatever. Um, She must have compelled the guy to do an extra fast job. (laughs) Probably. So while she's washing her hands, Catherine walks in, and she's kind of like, Caroline, I told you to keep Elena occupied while I was with Stefan. What happened? So if you hadn't already suspected it, it's confirmed now that Caroline has been doing all this shit because uh, Catherine has been threatening her. And does she say that she threatened Matt? I don't remember. Oh, I don't think so. But there's she's holding some kind of threat over her head that mm-hmm. she has to do her bidding. So Caroline's yeah, like, like, I tried. I couldn't just kidnap my best friend. Like, that would have been really suspicious. <laughs> and I really think that, like, I told her all the stuff you told me, too, about, like, mortality and shit. And I think I really got to her. And Catherine's still not having it, though, even after Caroline explains this. Because she's like, listen, I've already killed you once. I will certainly do it again. Yeah. And I'm like, poor Caroline. Like, she finally you know had a a sort of successful day as a vampire where she only tried to kill her boyfriend like once Mm -hmm. and now this shit like she's dealing with a lot she just broke up with her boyfriend and now this shit is happening i feel bad for her i think she's doing well considering yeah absolutely and she lightened up on the eyeliner a little bit this episode yeah so I think then we see Mason returning to the Lockwood Mansion. <laughs> yes. He, did he change his shirt? Like, there's no stab mark in it at all? I don't even know, but I noticed that he wasn't bleeding. Yeah. And Tyler is there, and they have another weird conversation, and Tyler's like, oh, so I was thinking about the Sorcerer's Moonstone, and there's, like, a couple of places I think it might be. Mason basically just like lunges at him and is like, This isn't a fucking game. Yeah. Do you know where it is or not? I'm like, Good job playing it, cool dude. I know. And you kind of see that the Lockwood rage is still kind of inside him. Yeah, totally. So Mason kind of, u- or Tyler uses this as an opportunity to get more information about the curse. He's like, I'll tell you where the moonstone is when you tell me, like, how I could bring the curse upon myself or whatever. Or, like, the what the trigger is. Yeah, what the trigger is. 
and Mason puts up a fight a little bit and then he's finally like you have to take blood you have to take someone's life and the curse is yours forever yeah. so you gotta have the gene then you kill someone and then you're a werewolf and if the Lockwoods are anything to go by the gene also comes with a lot of rage so it's more likely that you're gonna murder somebody I know I'm like man who did chill like surfer bro Mason Lockwood kill and under what circumstances he probably killed someone when he was younger and his rage was so mm. intense but now it makes more sense why he was so keen on protecting Tyler from beating the shit out of Contour yeah. um, in the previous episode because he might have killed him and then he would have started turning into a werewolf yeah and he says like you know your father never knew like it never affected him and now that I've told you this it's gonna be all you can think about like sorry dude yeah I mean if I knew this I would just spend all of my time trying not to kill someone which would make it more likely that you somehow would I think probably yeah I guess so we'll see what happens with that yeah I wonder what could happen Hmm. um I hope Tyler kills Matt (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's a murder suicide god so then we go back to the grill where Caroline has exited the bathroom and is sitting at a table by herself doing nothing. Much like Elena was at the beginning of the episode. Right? So Elena and Stefan walk in and Caroline is just kind of like, Elena, Elena. And Stefan walks away, I guess, to get them a table. And Caroline apologizes. And Elena says that, you know, it's okay. Like, I understand that you're trying to protect me and you're trying to be my friend in your own way. And everything you said was right. It was just hard to hear. Yeah, which is true. But it's like such a like 180 from what Elena is usually saying on this front that you're immediately suspicious. Yeah, I was just kind of like, that seems a little too easy for sure. She's acting like really sad and like, no, I'm not mad at you, Caroline. Like, you're just being a good friend. And then she goes back to um, sit with Stefan, and Caroline calls out, like, I really am sorry. And it's like, you know she's talking about, like, she's sorry that she has to do this to her. Uh It's very sad. Like, Caroline doesn't want to do this shit, but what else is she going to do? Catherine's a super fucking strong vampire who's threatening to kill her. Yeah. And Caroline's not ready to die. No. And so Stefan and Elena sit together, and they have this, like, very tense conversation, like... Catherine wants us to break up, but we can't let her fuck with us, and oh, she already has, Uh blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and Elena's all like, why are you giving her power over our relationship and let her come between us? So Mm -hmm. it's pretty intense, and Stefan's pretty much like, you know, she already has come in between us, and Elena makes a sad face, and everybody's stressed. And we see that Caroline has been eavesdropping on this conversation, and so has Damon. Oh, yeah. He's sitting over at the bar having a bourbon. And he, like, gets a creepy smile on his face. Yeah. So, I think next we see Elena coming home, and she goes into her room, and suddenly Stefan zooms in there, and they, like, desperately hug each other, and they're like, I hated that fight so much! It felt too real. Yes. Because, oh shit, they were faking it. Yeah, they were faking it for Caroline so that Caroline could tell Catherine that 
she was coming between them and also they mentioned the fact that Damon had heard it too and were they worried about that and Stefan was just kind of like no it's not a big deal but Damon is happy because I think that he thinks he could get closer to Elena because her and Stefan are struggling and Stefan makes some comment also like if Catherine's gonna believe it everybody else has, has to believe it too and like yeah. if Damon knew he would probably act suspicious but yeah they're basically now pretending like they're on the rocks but they're still super in love and making out and there's also an aspect of this in which I think they're protecting Caroline because they know that there must be like some reason why or like Catherine must be holding something over her that's right so they're yeah. helping it make it look like she's doing a good job which I thought was nice yeah and they call that out specifically they're just yeah. kind of like I knew that there was something weird about Caroline and that she wouldn't act like that yeah so then, so, also creeping around is <laughs> Catherine. She's just like wandering around like Mystic Falls. Yeah, she's touching her lips square. again, <laughs> looking <laughs> at the moon. Uh, I know, girl, stop. Maybe you have more time for that sentimental bullshit when you've been alive forever. I guess, but it's like that was 150 years ago. Like, maybe get over it. You like his lips are not on your lips anymore. I know. But she has one last memory flashback of the night that the tomb thing happened. And she's with George Lockwood. And he's like, we must hurry. And you must also uphold your end of the bargain. And she hands him the moonstone, the sorcerer's moonstone. Whoa. So that's how the Lockwoods got it. So if it came from Catherine, like, what the fuck is the deal with this stone? See, I thought that Catherine must have purchased it at, like, a souvenir store in Rhode Island. But I'm guessing that Pearl, like, bewitched it or something. (laughs) I I really like the idea that Catherine just picked it up somewhere and was like, this is a mystical stone that has something to do with werewolves. (laughs) I will use it as leverage to get to survive this attack and fake my death. But she gives it to him, and then she, like, looks over, and Stefan and Damon are just, like, lying dead there, because that's where they got shot earlier. Yeah. So George is like, come on, we must hurry, and she's like, be right there. And she runs over to Damon and Stefan's corpses, and she kind of looks at Damon and ignores him, and then she kneels down to Stefan and brushes her face with her hands and gives Stefan a kiss right on the lips, and she's like, I love you, Stefan. We will be together again, I promise. Yeah, so Catherine really did love Stefan, and it seems like she really still does too, because she's wandering around town touching her lips. Oh, God. So, I don't know if, if it's weird, but I found it romantic. I was like, she, and like, Stefan calls out at some point that if she was willing to fake her death and, like, kill all those other people, she must have been running from something. And she makes this vague comment, like, everybody has a past. So there's obviously, like, some reason why she had to fake her own death. But she fell in love with Stefan, and she was sad to see him, and she wanted to see him again. And she's obviously done a lot of fucked up stuff, but I was kind of like, oh, maybe they should be together. Uh, I, I'm, like, struggling with it, because I do agree that the sentiment of coming back for him is sweet, but also she's so terrible. And what... <laughs> how she treated Damon and how she compelled him and about how he was looking for her for so long. Yeah. She has issues. Yeah. And also, Stefan sucks. Yeah. It's like, why does everybody love Stefan so much? I know. I mean, I still think he's cute, but it's just like... That only gets you so far. I know. Was it his beautiful speech that she just couldn't get out of her head for 145 years? Does he have a magical D? Oh, 
we haven't even explored that possibility. I feel like it has to be. Why else? <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, the episode ends with Car- Catherine touching her lips, and then it fades into the title card again. Yeah, we get the fade again instead of the switch to black. So I think it was a pretty good episode. Like, not the best. Yeah. I'd say out of all the flashback episodes, it was probably the least exciting. I think so. Damon's hair was particularly atrocious in the flashbacks. <laughs> like, more so than I thought in the other flashbacks, but maybe I'm just forgetting. It was, like, very stylized curls. Yeah, and also very flat on the top. Yeah. And But otherwise, like, usually the flashbacks have a lot sillier outfits, too, and sillier wigs for everybody. Yeah. So that was a little bit disappointing. But. Yeah, I think overall the episode was okay. I thought that it just kind of dragged on a little bit in yeah. terms of Stephanie and Catherine just rehashing it over yeah. and over and over again. And, like, not a ton happened. Like, the main plot elements were just Mason and Damon becoming enemies and learning that Catherine really does love Stefan. Yeah. Which is not, for the Vampire Diaries, that's not a lot. I know, like, 800 more things could have happened. It's like, nobody died. Nobody, well, I almost just said nobody stabbed anybody, but somebody <laughs> did stab somebody. Yes, but it didn't result in any injury somehow. Yeah. So, it's kind of, you know, a calm episode for the show, which, you know, last week was pretty exciting. So, I think maybe it, it just kind of needed a, a kind of more low-key episode. Yeah, I can, I can understand so, I guess we can ask the big question, who you want to punch? <sighs> this one is hard. I think I want to punch Catherine. Um, I know that we're mm. supposed to find her kind of likable by the, end of, by the end of the episode, but I'm really struggling with the fact that she set up all of her close friends to get burned in the church. Yeah, that's fucked up. And also that she is controlling Caroline at a time that she's really vulnerable and it's just all a little too much for me. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, especially for the Caroline thing. Like, yeah. Leave poor Caroline alone. I know. We she's be been friends. through enough. And right. she just keeps impersonating Elena, which <laughs> is, like, getting to be confusing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but wouldn't you if you were her? Yeah. I mean, you might as well if you have an exact doppelganger. Just, like, God forbid she finds a flat iron. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Then it'll be so confusing for everyone. <laughs> Who oh, you want to punch, Claire? I want to punch Damon. Yeah, I see that too. Because everything that happens in this episode is so unnecessary. Like, they found out that Mason is a werewolf. Like, yeah, he got loose and, you know, was slobbering at... He didn't even try to kill Stubbin. He tried to kill Caroline. <laughs> yeah. He just snarled at He Stephen. just, like, was a werewolf. And they were told at Duke that vampires and werewolves are enemies. Yeah. And, like, I guess the fact that a werewolf bite can kill a vampire, like, he should be worried about that. But if anything, he should be trying to be on Mason's good side. I not know. just stabbing him for no reason after they shook hands and, like, not being enemies. Yeah. What is it that, like, Damon's trust is so low that he, like, doesn't believe that someone could not be out to get him? I just don't understand his motivations for this. And I feel like maybe it's just that, like... Nobody likes him right now, so he's just fixated on this one thing. Yeah. Like, he just, like, takes a situation that was fine and completely fucks it up. And now, like, there's a werewolf out there who can and wants to kill him. And I guess for plot reasons, like, we need more excitement. But I'm just like, you're an idiot. I know. I feel like they could have set it up better. Yeah. So I would punch him because he's just being an idiot. And I think he needs 
you know, maybe a headache. Agreed and approved. (laughs) And I guess why our men can kind of tie into that with it's like all this aggro male posturing, like, I am so tough. I'm going to stab you and like taunt you and, you know, be a dick. Yeah, it's like an aggression battle. Like who could be more aggressive towards one another. Even though Uncle Mason was trying to be chill... Yeah. I don't know. Uncle Mason is doing pretty well for a man. Like, he's trying to stay away from all the rage and aggressive macho male posturing. He's just trying to live his life. And he's not trying to brag about his sexual high school exploits. Yeah. Which is good. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like he's single-handedly, like, keeping this episode a little light on wire men. Yeah. Because, like, Damon's being Damon. Like, how many times we can go over, like, Stefan and Damon's wire men-ness? Because yeah. Stefan has a little bit of it, too. Like, being hyper-protective of Elena. Like, the only time he gets close to staking Catherine is when she threatens Elena. Mm-hmm. Which I guess makes sense, but... I don't know. I hate to say it, but, like, men weren't all that terrible in specifically male ways in this episode. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like... Because Matt wasn't there. And Jeremy wasn't there. You know what? That's a big part of it. I didn't even notice. I had forgotten Jeremy exists. And I like Alaric. I like Mason. Damon was being Damon. Yeah, Yeah, there's really not... Alaric was pretty chill in this episode, too. Like, he could have been really jealous and protective around Aunt Jenna now that they're together. But he was just like, I made a new new bro. Yeah. He lets Damon, like, boss him around. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I really wish we could have seen that scene. (laughs) Alaric, it would have been so good. Here's what we're gonna do, buddy. Jenna, barbecue. Not really a barbecue, though. So I guess it's kind of a miracle. Men were okay for the most part. They were. I don't know. Seven wasn't as bad as usual. Like, I feel like the dynamic of power kind of shifted in this episode a little bit normally we see that in every episode the men are kind of like running the show and even moving the plot and the girls are just well the women are there to be kind of like reacting to what's driven by the men's decision but with Catherine in town Mm -hmm. everything is her way or the highway yeah and she's kind of moving all of the parts i mean i guess a lark did prompt the barbecue but it is what it is yeah Catherine is there and she's just the force of nature like blowing through town so i guess Catherine is the anti-men yeah so thank you she really is (laughs) thanks Catherine. you did one good thing (laughs) all right who should have done it i'm gonna ask you first because i think i'm going to agree with you well, my who should have done it, actually, the more I think about it, all those scenes with the barbecue, like, I really think there's an argument that there could have been a very functional and healthy four-way relationship between Aunt Jenna, uh, Damon, Alaric, and Mason. Wow. I was just thinking a three-way between <laughs> Damon, Alaric, and Mason, but I see I want Aunt Jenna, Jenna in the I feel like she would be really into having three boyfriends, and she I want would. that for her. Yeah, she would. You know, she could throw back tequila shots with the best of them. Everybody was having a good time. All those characters have chemistry with each other. Yeah. And obviously with Damon and Mason, it gets fucked up. But, like, I feel like there is potential for some sexiness there. Yes. As, as we learned, there is a fine line between love and hate. Oh, yes. So Damon and Mason could get over it, yeah. probably. Polyamory. 
It's it's a thing. It is. I hope that that happens in the next episode. That would be amazing. It would be. I wonder if there's like things up. I wonder if there are like porn versions of the Vampire Diaries out there that just like have every single ship that we've ever talked about. I I mean it wouldn't surprise me if there was. There's a lot of like sexual attention. Send us links, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe don't. I don't know. I don't know. Get back. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Send me links, and I'll vet it for Claire, and then I'll send her them <laughs> after I see if it's good or not. Oh, man. I just can't think of the real actors, because there's... Did you read there's this horrifying story about Ian Sommerhalder recently? No. That he, like, gave... He was on a radio show, and he said that when he and his wife, like, first started talking about wanting to have a baby, he took her birth control and threw it all in the garbage, and then, like, filmed her freaking out about where her birth control was, and then they had a baby. Are you serious? Yeah. What? Even if you would do such a thing. Why are men? Yeah. Okay. Why are men? But even if you were to do such a thing, why would you film your partner's reaction? And it's like he thought it was really charming. Like he super wanted kids so much that he sabotaged her birth control. And I'm like, that's not cute. No, that is so fucked. Yeah. And I'm like, apparently, like, she got over it and they're still together and have a baby and that's great but that's not okay jimmy do you want to hear the story of how you came to be <laughs> and luckily daddy taped it uh, luckily your dad took away my decision about what happens to my body and my life oh my god that's so, disgusting yeah. and i had liked him because i saw him in like a commercial for cute dogs or something yeah. It just goes to show that anytime you think a male actor or celebrity is okay, they've probably done something really fucked up like that. Yeah. And the thing is, is that if he taped it and then talked about it in public, he doesn't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. Or, like, it's a hilarious story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gross. Don't do that, men, or I will find you. And I have a special set of skills... And I will use them to Whenever end your life. somebody messes with somebody else's birth control, Claire feels like a spidey sense <laughs> and she can track you down. I feel like a ping in one of my Philippian tubes. <laughs> I love it. Oh my god. So yeah, I don't want to think about the actual actors. We've already talked about how Matthew Davis, who plays Alaric, is a horrible person in real life too. We did, I forgot. Oh, yeah, he's like really conservative I think and he also wrote fan fiction about Alaric and Elena getting together on Twitter once <laughs> we did oh my god yeah so we're gonna stick to the characters here <laughs> yeah let's or else or else I'm gonna not be able to watch the show with I a know. clear mind I haven't heard anything terrible about Paul Wesley so even though I hate Stefan at least he seems okay yeah he looks like he has an honest face but who knows <laughs> alright anyway so who should have done it for you? Oh, I my pick was a three-way between yeah. Mason Damon and the other one. Alaric. Alaric. The other one. <laughs> I thought he was your boyfriend. He is my boyfriend. Uh, but aside from that, I don't know. I had a kind of secondary Stefan and Catherine should have done it. There was like, so when... The, Stephen or, like, maybe one last time in 1864 or something. Yeah, like, there is a lot of sexual attention between them. I feel like even though Stefan hates her, and I guess it, like, is reflecting She's identical that identical to his girlfriend. Yeah. And he hates her, so that he probably has, like, a rage boner. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 
I could see them get together. Like, when they were about to make out, I was, like, waving my hands, like, what the fuck? But also, it wouldn't be the worst thing to see. And I feel like the show goes on for so long and so much crazy shit happens that eventually, someday, they probably will. Mm. No comment. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, I guess that's a wrap on this week. We're actually going to go straight into our next episode after this, so it's very exciting. We don't do that very often. Uh, So if you have any comments, questions, criticisms, praise, general thoughts about life, hit us up. Uh, You can mystic follow us on Twitter at the BD Diaries. Yes, you can find us on Facebook as the Vampire Diaries Diaries. Or on Instagram, the underscore VD underscore diaries underscore podcast. Um, You could also find us on SoundCloud and iTunes if you'd like Mm -hmm. to give us a listen. And please review us. We haven't had a new review in quite some time. It's true. We're feeling very neglected. And we might just shrivel into dust if you don't give us, you know, your thoughts about us. Because we're vain creatures. True. Don't make me turn to Vervain. (laughs) (laughs) all right well stay safe out there uh make up myths about things that can hurt you that aren't true in case you have enemies that is such a good idea i'm just gonna start doing it yeah and i feel like how to hurt me there might have been something on true blood about that too like i feel like i've seen another vampire show where like the supernatural creatures came up with like a fake thing that i think it was like that they couldn't handle garlic or like they couldn't touch a cross or something oh, that was fake brilliant yeah so be clever like those supernatural creatures and you might just live through a stabbing good tip mozzarella